Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, the 18th of August. We are so close to the start of college football, and yet we're not quite there yet. We are glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, Pearl River Resort, home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. We will be at the Sportsbook uh, one week from this coming Monday. So the Monday of game week, we will be at the Sportsbook, and it feels like the perfect time to be there. We'll be celebrating a birthday-slash-anniversary for the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon and also getting you ready for the start of the college football season. Can't wait for that. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Michael Borky, you are the maestro of music. I am well aware of that, but I have something for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. It's Friday. We're back. Rebecca Black coming strong. It is Friday. We're glad to be with you. Maybe that gave you a smile. Maybe it made you cringe. I mean, it's it's a terrible song that has been viewed 167 million times on YouTube. It's got a little bit of a catchy tune. We have not pulled that out of the vault yet on a Friday morning on the way to school this year. But that's kind of been the uh, kids going to school anthem, you know, at least once a month or so for the last, I don't know, four or five years. You, you got to roll that one out for James. He'd like that. Oh, no, because I like my sanity. No, his favorite song right now is Another One Bites the Dust, and I love that. Ding, ding, ding. Because he likes to clap. He'll say, Another One Bites the Dust, and then we, we clap. And then it. he likes to point and go, and I'll get you too. That are his favorite parts. So, but... The issue is with toddlers and things that they like, they really like them. And they yeah. like them over and over and over and no, over. See, so you got to make this a special deal. I mean, it, it's, it is a Friday morning only, one time only, on the way to school only thing. That's how you keep your sanity with, uh, with Rebecca Black and Friday. Lonnie says that that is Lars Larson's Friday theme song. 
Well, if um, any of us can have the career that Lars Larson has had, we will all be doing well in the radio business. It will have been uh, exceptional. And so we're just great minds think alike. That, that's what we will uh, go with. Forky, run the numbers because they're real good. 8, 13, 15, 20, 23, eight days until week zero. Yes, a week from tomorrow, you will get real, live, actual college football played in stadiums, some of which not completed yet, and that's okay. There's another round of everybody dunking on Vanderbilt for doing a $300 million full-scale renovation to their football stadium. So you criticize Vanderbilt for not investing, and then you criticize them for investing? Anyway. I finally chimed in on this round. It's just gotten so stupid. Whoever, who was the guy? It was uh, Chad Withrow. Yeah, he's an outkick guy. That writes an outkick. And I just responded, this is such a tired and lazy take. You pile on Vandy for not spending money, and then you pile on when they actually invest. Be better. It's just, come on. It's ridiculous. But you will see the uh, the, the unfortunate nature of building large-scale projects where the stadium will be missing everything behind both end zones. It's just a construction zone. I think the capacity is just under 29,000 this year, which, make your jokes, they don't need that much, all that. But I'm sure the local area loves when Georgia comes to town and fills up their stadium, okay? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but you'll get... Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, it's everybody. Basically everybody, because Nashville... Everybody loves going to Nashville. And there's a lot of transplants in Nashville. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, eight days until that, you'll get to see Caleb Williams, you'll get to see Notre Dame and Sam Hartman missing his rib and everything against Navy. Mm-hmm. In Dublin. Southern, Southern Cal play. Okay, you, you said Caleb Williams, so Southern Cal playing on, is that San Jose State, is that I right? Believe so. I, I believe so, yes. And then San Jose State will also play on Friday of the first week. So they're, they're playing week zero, and then they're playing on a Friday. Weird start to their season, but anyway. No, nothing like setting yourself up with a short week between week zero and week one. Yeah. Uh, 13 days until that first big Thursday. So 13 days from today, we are recapping game, like like big games. With all due respect to Navy Notre Dame, that's a novelty. With mm. all due respect to Vanderbilt Hawaii, you're going to watch because it's football and that's it. We're recapping 13 days from today, Florida, Utah, and for what it's worth, Nebraska, Minnesota as well. I think that I think that calling Navy Notre Dame a novelty. There's a lot of history it, there. That, that's unfair. There is a ton of history to that series. Now, playing it in Dublin, Ireland, the week before the season start, maybe that's a bit of a novelty. But that series, it's how long does that one go back? Oh, uh, a long while. But Was like it? for the average college football fan, they're not jacked up to watch Navy Notre Dame. Yeah. They might be on this day because it's been, you know, months and months and months without it. But um yeah, thirteen days we'll be recapping No, well, twelve days we'll be recapping that. And then fifteen, of course, until our teams get started, twenty until the NFL season begins, and twenty three until that first big NFL Sunday. How about some nuggets about Navy and Notre Dame? This will be the 96th meeting. Navy actually has 13 wins in the series. Notre Dame leads the series 79-13. to There has been one tie. So uh, there's a reason why they play that series annually, right? It, 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 I heard the story, and I don't remember it correctly. It's something about how the Navy like helped save Notre Dame, like the university, forever and forever and forever ago. Isn't that the genesis of it? 
where, where there's a like a, a deep emotional tie there. All right, so here you go. Notre Dame, like many colleges, faced severe financial difficulties during World War II, which were exacerbated by the fact that it was then still an all-male institution. The United States Navy made Notre Dame a training center for V-12 candidates and paid enough for usage of the facilities to keep the university afloat. Notre Dame has since extended an open invitation for Navy to play the Fighting Irish in football and considers the game annual repayment on a debt of honor. There it is. Yeah. So it's cool. It really is. And and then the... Is it... Stanford and Southern Cal, I actually heard this story not too terribly long ago. The the history behind Stanford and Southern Cal playing Notre Dame, when, what was it, when Notre Dame was independent and you had like the original Pacific Conference, I think is what it was called, whatever the conference was on the West Coast, they kicked Notre Dame out or Notre Dame left on their own or, or whatever, and yet... Stanford and Southern Cal continued to play them, and so Notre Dame has Mm. kind of as a payment of a debt of honor, I guess, uh, continued those series. You know, I admire Notre Dame at this point because they kind of get mocked about tradition, and I get it. I do. But tradition is one of the greatest things about college football, and Notre Dame, by God, they are sticking to it. We'll take less money to be an independent. That's fine. You guys can all bicker about conference realignment. We're going to stay independent. And guess what? You're still going to want to play us because of our brand. Honoring continuing to play games like that, that, that's a cool thing. Not changing the uniforms, that kind of stuff. I I admire that about Notre Dame. This recent round of conference realignment, a lesser institution would have gone ahead and jumped into the Big Ten or something. They they would have gotten in. And Notre Dame's like, nah, we're good. We'll take a little less money because this is what we are and this is what we'll always be. I like that. The origin of the series between Notre Dame and Southern Cal is often recounted as a, quote, conversation between wives, close quote. Notre Dame head coach Newt Rockney and USC athletic director Gwen Wilson, their wives. In fact, many sports writers often cite this popular story as the main reason the two schools decided to play each other. The story goes the rivalry began with USC looking for a national rival, They dispatched Wilson and his wife to Lincoln, Nebraska, where Notre Dame was playing Nebraska on Thanksgiving Day. On that day, Newt Rockney resisted the idea of a home-and-home series with USC because of the travel involved, but Mrs. Wilson was able to persuade Mrs. Rockney that a trip every two years to sunny Southern California was better than one to snowy, hostile Nebraska. Mrs. Rockney spoke to her husband, and on December 4th, 1926... USC became an annual fixture on Notre Dame's schedule. That me or that that series has been played 93 times. It has been play it was played every year from 1926 to present with the exception of 43, 44 and 45 because of World War II and 2020 because the Pac-12 canceled all non-conference games related to COVID. So the pandemic interrupted a streak of 73 consecutive years in which the game between Notre Dame and Southern Cal had been played. I agree with you on the tradition of Notre Dame. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back.
Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line is open at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with AutoPay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now, you can get iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade-in needed. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. So, Borky, you were talking about Notre Dame's independence and how you kind of respect that uh, just a second ago. It's one of the most frequently talked about things just kind of like across all of college sports, especially with all the realignment conversation. Dan in Hattiesburg says it's also Notre Dame giving the power conferences a big middle finger. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, Dan. At times, that may have been the case. But Jack Swarbrick, I feel like, has has laid the case out for Notre Dame's independence better than, than anybody who's talked about it publicly. And Pete Bavacqua, who's going to be the AD following Jack Swarbrick when he retires, I, I think has had some quotes where he values it and says they're going to stick with it. it it's really simple. Jack Swarbrick says, as long as Notre Dame has reasonable access to college football's postseason, the playoff, and they are able to compete on a level playing field based on their television contract with NBC, they're going to stay independent because there's no reason not to. Now, they compete in the ACC and all of their other sports, and they've got the affiliation with the ACC in football where they play five ACC teams. That helps kind of build out the schedule. But then beyond the five ACC teams, you know they've got Southern Cal, you know they've got Stanford, you know they've got Navy, so now you're up to eight games. And then you've got four more that kind of rotate on and off. They play some big games, they play some less big games along the way to, to fill out their schedule. The thing that Notre Dame's got going for it from a scheduling standpoint is everybody in America wants to play them. Everybody does. If you said to Keith Carter, hey, you want to do a home-and-home with Notre Dame? Yes. Let's just find the dates. If you said it to Mississippi State, to uh, to uh, Zach um, Selman. Zach Selman, hey, you want to do a home-and-home with Notre Dame? Yep, sign me up. When are we doing it? Do we need to cancel something else to uh, to make it happen? Georgia's done a home-and-home with Notre Dame. I think Alabama's got one coming up. I feel like they're – I mean – Everybody would like to do that. And it's for two reasons. One, everybody's fan base wants to make a trip to South Bend to see their team play. And there are not that many fan bases that get the opportunity to do it. And every athletics director wants Notre Dame to come to their place because, one, Notre Dame fans will travel, especially when it's to a a cool trip. But you're not having any trouble selling tickets. You are selling your stadium out to the brim for a non-conference game. You remember what the atmosphere looked like in Athens? A few years ago, when Notre Dame came yeah. to Athens, it was a great game, too. Played it at night, under the lights at Sanford Stadium. And the year before that was the year that the Georgia fans kind of took over Notre Dame Stadium. They took over a Cubs game on Friday afternoon, and then they took over Notre Dame Stadium on, on Saturday night. Super cool deal. So, I mean, 
w- wouldn't you if you're Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss? My question anybody? is, would you do a two for one? Would you go the Would you go there twice just to have them come back once? Uh, I think I would. Probably. I think I would. Though that's not. I mean, there's enough demand for Notre Dame from a scheduling standpoint that I don't know that they would feel any need to do that. Yeah. But if you get that done, you, you get that done. Yeah. No, that would be incredible, man. I, it's one of those places that, regardless of their recent results, which are good but not great, you know, Notre Dame does get some helmet bias from time to time in the preseason polls, and that absolutely happens. They are given more credit than they deserve because of history. However, that history is such that being involved in playing them in football is still special. And the fact is, they've been they've been good. Good, yeah. Just, just not great, but still, you know, very good. Played in the national championship game. Got another. If you want to call that play. Well, game. I mean, it was more than more than TCU last year. True, they did outperform TCU. Who else has more non-alumni fans? Alabama. Well, that might be shifting to to, to Georgia, but you think more. Whoever's winning at the time, well, more than Notre Dame. Probably. Man, I, it, I, I mean, it, for, it, most, for most Catholics in the United States, there is a yeah. pull toward Notre Dame. Not, it, that, not that Notre Dame is the first team. I mean, Brian Haydad's Catholic. Yeah. Right? Kind of. Um, uh, lack, lack, lacks Catholic. But he would admit that. I don't yeah. know how he feels about Notre Dame, though. I don't think that he hates Notre Dame. Obviously, he's a Mississippi State guy first, but, you know, after that, I don't know. Uh, folks are saying a lot of Alabama fans couldn't point to Tuscaloosa on a map. Yeah, and, and I see that all the time uh, around here, man. It, it frustrates the heck out of me. And I get it. You know, people like front runners and, and Duke basketball. You'll have people on social media where their bio says Alabama football, Duke basketball, New York Yankees. Like, you have those people. And I, I think that's so bizarre. There, there's, and the Lakers. There's a family in my neighborhood that, that, that I've talked to that has never lived in Alabama. He's never been to an Alabama game. Has no affiliation whatsoever. None. Zero. Like, openly. Like, None. Has no affiliation with Alabama whatsoever, but he has an Alabama flag flying from his porch, and that struck up the conversation. I was walking by, we said hello, and it's like, it's like obviously you're an Alabama fan, and we so we started talking. No affiliation, never been, no family, no ties, nothing. His reason? Well, they're really good. God, it's fun to cheer for a winner, I, but man, dude, it, it, it feels cheap. Well, it's like cheating okay. in a video game. It's like, yeah, you won, but. But if I mean, if he's just picking a random team and he doesn't have any affiliation otherwise, why not go? Well, well you live I mean, in Mississippi. That'd probably be more fun there. I forget what college you said. He went to a really small college, so I get like you're picking somebody else. But you live in Mississippi. You've got SEC schools here, man. Pick one. Yeah, just pick one. I don't know. I I am proud of myself that when I adopted my professional teams, they both stunk when I did it. It's more rewarding when they win now. And the Pelicans are never going to win ever at this rate. I mean, I, I'm just going to have to accept that. But if I just adopted the Chiefs right now, yeah, I'm going to be a Chiefs fan. Winning's cheap. 
Don't you like grinding for things? And as a fan, you you literally do nothing other than commit your time and money. But how much more satisfying were those national championships for Ole Miss and Mississippi State baseball? Good programs, I get it. Than LSU's most recent one. LSU wins national championships. They they do it in other sports and all that. How much more satisfying must that have been for an Ole Miss or a State fan winning that one, finally breaking through? I'm sure, but with the drought that LSU had had since their most recent national championship and the expectations that go along with that program. And by the way, several people said LSU's got a ton of non-alumni fans. And and you're right. Less outside the state of Louisiana, though. I mean, it's like that entire state, other than a few Lafayette fans that absolutely hate them, Pretty much the entire state cheers for LSU. And then, obviously, you have LSU fans beyond the state of Louisiana. But I don't know that it compares to Notre Dame in terms of fans. So, I I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, more rewarding. If the Pelicans ever win anything, if they get to the Western Conference Finals, I will be so through the roof because of that. As opposed to somebody that just adopts the Lakers and they win a Mickey Mouse championship in the bubble and it's like, oh, well, we have 17 now. That's cheap. Hey, Dad, if you're listening. Yeah, well. But (laughs) who's had more fun being a fan of their team? You with the Pelicans or Hey, Dad, with the Lakers? Well, here's the thing. In life, it's not all about having fun. It's about... Yeah, but when you're just randomly picking a team to cheer (laughs) for, it can be about having fun. It can. But I, I like... Having we're not, principles we're not talking about fandom. choosing your cardiologist because he's a fun guy <laughs> or she's a fun gal. Hey, man. the best cardiologist, the one that can make my heart the healthiest. Sports is is life. I, I I cannot wait to teach James the principle of picking bad teams. It's going to be awesome. I God bless him. I can't believe I'm forcing that on him. He can tell you three of the starters on the Pelicans now. He can name eleven starters on the Saints now. But I, he's going to say at one point, Daddy, why did we pick? You know, the Bucks. Well, because we suffer, and that's life, man. Lesson learned. I suppose. Uh, Ceasefire text line, LSU did buy their championship. State and Ole Miss won the last true college championship. Uh, I mean, yes, but the game's changed. I mean, the, the, the way it, yes. But if, if Ole Miss has a great portal class, a great transfer portal class that's loaded with NIL, or State has a great NIL-loaded transfer class and they were to win another national title in the next five years, is it going to feel like any less of a national championship because you went out and you got some players? LSU had a good mix, right? They had, they had two or three super impact guys that they got out of the portal and paid a lot of money, and then a bunch of guys that have been with the program for a long time. So I think I, I don't think you can detract from their national championship because of how they built that team. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. We've got lots coming up with you today. We'll grab a couple of teams on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Michael Borky came up with um, a good idea as he was opining about the, um, I say opining, dreaming. 
dreaming about one. the week one matchups, and uh, he grabs some of the games that are of note for week one of the college football season, and uh, he wants us to rank them. We'll do that for the college football fix if in we're the being 5 o'clock honest, hour. Week one, and we always get it in college football, but week one we're going to need a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of extra, unexpected, uh, to make that uh, a good weekend. Because the, the marquee slate, it's okay on Saturday. Sunday we get an awesome one. Like two mm-hmm. playoff contenders going at it. Yeah. But we, we need a little a little unexpected to make the first Saturday as good as it can be. I feel like week zero is you, you go to dinner and you sit down and the first thing you say, can we get you a drink? I'll take sweet tea, I'll take a Coke, I'm good with water, I want an adult beverage. And week zero is kind of your drink order. And then the server, when he brings your drinks, is like, can I get you an appetizer? Would you like to get started with anything? Week one is, it's kind of the appetizer. And and you got a couple of different types of appetizers on there, right? You, you got a couple of, of light ones, you know, where you just get like some bread or you know, just a, a couple of little bites. But then you've also got a, a big appetizer on there. It's got a little bit more meat on the bone. And then when we get to week two, we're like, we're in we're in full-on entree mode for, for week two and going forward. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but you, you get what I'm saying. We're, we're going to ease into it a little bit. Yeah. We're not just going to sit down. It, it, we're not eating at a buffet. And we're not just going to sit down having already called our order in and they just plop it all on the table at once when we get there. That's not. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're, we're going five course meal, or at least three or four course meal, as we uh, we get into uh, the college football season. So, how about another top twenty-five, but a different top twenty-five? Although it doesn't look a ton different. Really doesn't. Than than this year's top twenty-five, but a little bit different top twenty-five. This was uh, a, a ranking of the top 25 programs in college football of all time. Of all time, based on how they finished in the AP poll. So then, and they ranked it. It's actually interesting. So if you finished first in the final poll, you got 25 points. Okay. If you finished second, you get 24, and on and on and on and on and on. All the way back from 1936 to now, the accumulation of those points. Gave you this best college football programs of all time based on how they finished the season okay. since 1936. All right, so that's when the AP poll began, 1936. And every time that you finished a season, so the final AP rankings, you finished in the top 25, there is a numerical value assigned to you for the purposes of of this poll, and obviously the most points all time yields the number one team and so forth. A lot of SEC teams. I know you're not shocked by that. Number one all time, Alabama. I don't know if that would have been the case a decade ago. Might have been. But 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 certainly in the last fifteen years they've added six national championships to the resume. The recent run has, uh, yeah, it it, it, it has helped them. That it, that has put an additional 150 points 
in their uh, their tally for this all-time AP poll. So, you got Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Oklahoma 3. So, Put it this so way, Alabama is only 9 points ahead of Ohio State. Only 9. Oh, really? Yeah. Ohio State does not have the the lows that Alabama has had in its history. I mean, even the John Cooper years, they were... They're still good. They're, they're pretty decent. Yeah. They just didn't beat Michigan. So, Ohio State, two. Oklahoma, three. Only five points behind Ohio State. I mean, prior to last season, Oklahoma for two decades had been just a model of consistency. Now, pre-Bob Stoops, so what you'd say like, what, post-Barry Switzer, pre-Bob Stoops, there was a... There were some lost years in there for Oklahoma. Yeah. Who, who were those coaches at the time? I'm, I'm trying to remember who. Um, why can I not remember who kind of the middling years for Oklahoma were in terms of year-by-year results? They've appeared in 56 bowl games all time. So clearly in the 40s and 50s under Bud Wilkinson, into the early 60s, they were really, really good. Barry Switzer was there from 73 up through 88. The Gary Gibbs era was not great. John Blake is who I was thinking about, by the by the way. Who could forget? Yeah, who, uh, clearly me. Uh, so Gary Gibbs had a run. Howard Schnellenberger had one season as the uh, the head coach at Oklahoma. Three years for John Blake. And it didn't go particularly well when John Blake was there. In terms of overall record, three consecutive seasons for Oklahoma. They went three and eight, four and eight, five and six. See ya out the door. And then you get to the Bob Stoops era starting in 1999. They went seven and five in year one with a loss to Ole Miss in the Independence Bowl, 27 to 25. After that, 13 and 0 national championship. 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 1. Whoop, there's an 8 and 4 season. 11 and 3, 11 and 3, 12 and 2. Whoop, an 8 and 5. Followed by 12 and 2, 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 11 and 2. There's an 8 and 5. 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 9 and 2, and that's getting us into the Lincoln Riley era. They just crushed it under Bob Stoops. And that's why they're the number three all-time program. Michigan is four, winning his program in college football history. And so, just the, no championships relative to everybody else on this list. Yeah. They just, they're so good and they're so historic, and yet they just haven't really won. And they haven't won. It's crazy. So good, and yet something has prevented them from stacking championships all these years. So Michigan claims 11 national championships. Mm-hmm. 1901, 2, 3, and 4. 1918, 23, 32, 33, 47, 48. And then how about the gap from 1948 to 1997? And then there's another one. So that was 49 years between national championships for Michigan, and now you've gone... 
another 26? Yeah. Michigan fans say it's time. And they feel like it is. like Their best chance is, is this season. Not returning, quarterback good. Harbaugh's not going to miss their cupcake games anymore. And as much as it pains me to admit it, there's another t- there is a potential fly in the ointment for Michigan in the Big Ten, and it's not Ohio State. The more I look at the makeup of that Penn State roster, and I mean, there's there are a few people on planet Earth that are cheering against James Franklin and Penn State more than me. And it's not that I've got anything against Penn State. I'm just not a James Franklin fan. We'll get to Penn State in a second. Notre Dame is at number five. Notre Dame claims also 11 national championships. Their most recent in 1988 under Lou Holtz. Prior to that, 1977. That was not a perfect resume in 1977. They had the loss to Ole Miss in Jackson on that 1977 ledger. The top five is really close. Only 100 points separate five and one. Mm. To go from five to six, it's 200 points. And number six is Southern Cal. And number seven is Texas. And then you get to Nebraska at number eight, and it feels like they have been sliding in the polls. So Alabama has made a gargantuan leap over the last two decades. Nebraska in the last ten years has done nothing to add to their all-time point total based on AP top 25 finishes. I'm not trying to do the age thing, but but it is interesting to me hearing people that are older than me talk about Nebraska. Because I just share a completely different perspective because in my lifetime they have been completely irrelevant. They, they have not had good teams since that I can remember. I, I what, I guess in 98 they were good. I was 6. Like they, they're they're totally irrelevant as a football program. They're totally irrelevant putting players in the NFL, but like my dad will tell you Nebraska is like one of the best, like a college football brand. And I just don't have that same, I didn't see that the same way. They won four national, cha- or three national championships in four years. 94, 95, 97. And they were a machine. You're talking Tommy Frazier, Scott Frost, Phillips was the running back, Lawrence Phillips. We'll be back. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. On the ceasefire text line, Nebraska was the best team to get on Sega College football. You could run right down your opponent's throat circa 1995. Again, Borky, probably not rocking the Sega Genesis in no. 1995. I did have the uh, the Nintendo, though, with the rectangle, the true rectangle controllers. Like, so you, you, you had a, an original Nintendo. Yeah, Super Mario and all that stuff, yeah. Duck Hunt, Contra, yeah. Zelda, Skate or Die, 
RBI baseball, bases loaded two. I'm trying to remember if I had any other games. I think that was the last video game console I owned. You didn't get the N64 with Ken Griffey? No, my little brother had... Um, and Goldeneye? He had a Super Nintendo. And then I think he had a Sega. And then, I don't think he got any more consoles for a while. And then, like, when he got older, like high school, college, it was, yeah. you know, original PlayStation or whatever it was. Sonic the Hedgehog. That was, like, the, the best game on the original Sega. So I said double dribble. Yeah, Mike Tyson's punch out. That was another one for the original Nintendo. Dwayne and Brandon says he had an Atari. Dwayne, did you just have the uh, like the uh, the stick controller, or did you have the the little wheel? Atari was cool. Was it the sixteen bit graphics on that, and then Nintendo took it to sixty four bit. Is yeah, that right? and and so think about that. And and how innovative all of that was, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can play as Patrick Mahomes, and the detail is so thorough on Patrick Mahomes that you can see him stick his tongue out when he throws the football, which is what he does in real life. They have that in the video game, where when they're showing highlights, like you say, you throw a pass over the middle, it gets caught by Travis Kelsey, and then the game will show you a highlight while you're picking the next play. It will show Patrick Mahomes throwing that ball with his tongue out like he does in real life. It's crazy. It really is. It's unbelievable. Uh, getting a bunch of uh, Tech Mobile uh, reminders as well. And then Super Tech Mobile that, uh, that followed. I remember so, the snake on the old cell phones, too. Those first brick cell phones, they'd have one game, and if your parents were yep. really annoyed by you and they just needed you to be quiet, here's my phone, play snake, yeah. On the on the Nokia, yes, like the the rectangle Nokia brick. You could drop that off of the Eiffel Tower, and I, go to and the call wouldn't even drop. Yeah, now, you could use it as a hammer. Like if you needed to, to drive a nail in, it was it was a sufficient hammer. The best thing about those original Nokia phones, though, maybe not original, but the the Nokia cellular phones, like it was cellular South here at the time, long, long before it became Seaspire. And they had the in-car handset, right? So everybody wants to be hands-free and wireless, but what you would do, you would take that Nokia phone and you would pop it into the cradle, and then it worked more like a a traditional landline home phone where you could pick up the headset and talk into that instead of holding the cell phone. (laughs) And you could wire it through to the – there was like a a speaker microphone in your car if you wanted to go speakerphone hands-free. You had that option as well. My dad got got an old car when I was young that I remember that had the car phone in it. Where I – yeah, iPhone that plugged into the cigarette lighter. No, it was like in the the center console. It was like a a phone that. Oh, that, your dad had a BMW then. Yeah, yeah, and all. I think BMW is the only one that had those that had the built-in cell phone. And you know, it like it, it sounded cool at the time. And the more I think about it, how stupid is that? <laughs> yeah, your your own phone number for only the car. Yeah, well, I guess people used it for a little while. You can you could talk on the go. I had a friend whose mom drove a BMW, and she had that had the, the built-in phone in there. I guess if you live in like LA, where you've got two-hour-long commutes, then that would probably have been useful at the time. I've been watching Seinfeld a lot lately, and I and I get some of those moments like God, I can't believe we did that. Not like the things they say. The show makes me laugh every single time. Not that I'm talking just like the 
the basics of life, even for Seinfeld versus now, is so dramatically different. You're right. Somebody says, I had a mall and a pile of wood to split for fun. Which I'm sure at the time felt like work, but i got to be honest, that's one of the most rewarding physical activities that is there. My, uh, my, my late dear friend Charles Walker loved splitting wood, and it was one of my favorite things in life to do was to split wood with him in the afternoon, especially when you're getting to the fall and it wasn't quite as hot. And you do that in the summer, and it's miserable. Once it cools off a little bit, kind of off in the woods, you get a tree down, you cut it up, and you got to split it up. Oh, man. It was fantastic. How much time have you, you spent splitting wood by hand, Borky? Not much splitting wood, but like cutting down trees and stuff was more of, of my activity. I love that, man. You get a little pole saw and just, I, I could cut trees all day. Josh and Laurel says, I remember splitting wood with my grandfather. Great memories. We get here's one. Calls were 35 cents a minute on that phones, on those phones. Dwayne and Brandon says Mercedes had the built-in phone as well. Um, got a lot of stick controllers for the Ataris. It's a little memory lane. We went from college football nostalgia to just yes. nostalgia. Four o'clock hour coming up. We're back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back, 4 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. But right now, we will go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We started this yesterday. One last run all the way through the SEC with a final preview from all 12 teams outside the state of Mississippi, and we're doing it alphabetically, at least until we need to move Vanderbilt up because they play early. So Andrew Ellis joins us right now. He writes at hogsports.com, covers the Arkansas Razorbacks. And, uh, Andrew, we're getting really, really close, man. Appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for, for joining us. What's the, uh, what's the mood at this point in Arkansas camp? Um, you know, the mood's good. Um, it's, it's always tough to tell this time of year what to believe, what to not believe. When you're hearing all these things coming out of fall camp, you know, you're hearing this guy's playing well, this position group's dominating, and then you're starting to do the mental gymnastics of, well, if our offensive line's playing well, does that mean we, our defensive line's not good? You start doing all those games. But yeah. overall, things are good, you know. For the first time in Sam Pittman's tenure here at Arkansas, he's got two new coordinators. So this is really one of the bigger tests in his coaching career to this point. Um, you know, welcome in Travis Travis Williams as a defensive coordinator, and Danny Enos is back at, at offensive coordinator for his second stint at Arkansas. But you know, there's definitely some familiarity there with KJ Jefferson back at quarterback, Rocket Sanders back at running back, which kind of makes you feel a lot better. It's not like it's changed all the way around. You still have some returning pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, still, you know, question, question marks here and there. We'll see into the season how real those question marks are, just like any other team. But overall, I think this team, you know, they they really like what they've got. They think this is the deepest team Sam Pittman's had at Arkansas. Um, you know, they're 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 they were a little disappointed with the way things went last year. They felt like they underachieved, and 
you know, I think they, they, they really like specifically defensively. I think this team feels like they're a lot more improved and, you know, they got decimated with injuries in the, in the secondary last year. So they brought in some nice transfers in that regard. So things, things are looking solid for Arkansas so far. But like I said earlier, you know, we, we don't really know until we know. And that's, you know, when the season, when these games start counting. Yeah. Let's dig into some of those things, Andrew. Uh, let's start with defensive coordinator. Um, obviously, there had been stability on uh, on that side of the ball with the, the guy that was running the defense with uh, with Barry Odom and what he did. And, you know, to me, one of the things that, that people, you know, if you want to rewind to when Sam Pittman was hired, right, it was like, ooh, this guy? And then you look at the staff that he put together, you're like, well, okay, there might be something to here. And his personality is so infectious. So he loses Odom. Brings Travis Williams in. Uh, guy's got SEC experience. Most recently was at, at UCF. I think he's kind of thought really highly of with, within the, the coaching profession. Is this transition to running a defense at the SEC level one that Arkansas fans are excited about, or is there some trepidation about whether or not he is ready for this spotlight? Well, you know, the, the one thing that Sam Pittman's always been big on, back to the days of the O-line coaches, he's a recruiter first and foremost, and recruiting is the main thing that he really wants to implement with his coaches. And I think with the defensive coordinator hire, he really wanted to go after a guy who had a big recruiting acumen and had recruited in different areas and had experience, you know, competing with SEC teams and recruiting. And I think that's the, the one, the first thing that sticks out with Travis Williams when you think about what he brings to the table. But it's a fair question, like you said. This guy's never really – ran a defense at this level. You know, he's, he's had success at the places he's been, and he's been in the SEC before, played in the SEC, coached at Auburn, the linebackers there. So it's not like it's completely uncharted territory for him. But I think that, that you know, the big thing, the biggest difference between what they were doing under Barry Odom and what they're going to try to do now under Travis Williams, they want to be more aggressive. And I feel like there were times last year and really the last three years overall where Arkansas didn't feel like they had the depth at defensive line and they didn't feel like they could play man coverage in the secondary, which kind of hindered them a little bit. weren't allowed to really blitz much. weren't allowed to be as aggressive as they want to be. And that's one of the things that UCF was great at under Travis Williams last year. I mean, they they pressured the quarterback as well as anyone in the country, and they really just kind of you know went with reckless abandon at the quarterback. And Sam Pittman said when he was watching the film, he was like, "Hey, I don't even know if I want to blitz this much." But you know, it's really a complete shift. And you know, Barry Odom's a really respected defensive coordinator. I don't think, you know, Sam Pittman views it this way or anyone else that, you know, Arkansas has a huge upgrade here at defensive coordinator. But I think people are excited about the, the fresh blood and kind of the new era and a little bit of a younger shift in this coaching staff. And I really like, you know, just, just getting to hear from all these guys and the different position coaches throughout fall camp. I really like what each of them have to say. And we got to speak with Travis Williams a little bit today and just the way he talks about the, the players and the way that he talks about his approach to things. I, I just really – he's a really impressive guy. And so – I'm definitely very interested to see what he's going to be able to do as Arkansas's DC in this in this you know brutal conference here. But I think the pieces up front on the defensive line are a lot better than they've been the last few years, and that should have a trickle down effect to the rest of the defense. So personnel wise, I think this is definitely Sam Pittman's best defense at Arkansas, and we'll see what Travis Williams is able to do with this group and if he's able to kind of bring out the best version of them in year one. Visiting with Andrew Ellis, HogSports.com, the Arkansas 24/7 site. Um, on the offensive side, I feel like the Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere, might have been written about Dan Enos because in terms of college football, if there is a school in Michigan, he's coached at it. He's bounced around a bunch of different spots in the SEC. He's been in the ACC. He's been in the American Conference. He's been in the Big Ten. He's been all over the place. And I think back to the time 
That, that 15, 16, 17 window when he was at Arkansas, and I, I can't help but remember how much play-action stuff and bootleg stuff and waggle stuff where you got the quarterback outside the pocket, but offense has changed a bunch since 2015. Now, he's obviously continued to coach on the offensive side. How is this offense with K.J. Jefferson at quarterback going to look different under Dan Enos than maybe when, what, Brandon Allen was playing quarterback for Dan Enos? No, yeah, that's a great question. You know, with Dan Enos, if you look at what his offense was doing in 2015, 16, 17 at Arkansas with quarterbacks like Brandon Allen, it was extremely pro-style. And I think that's still kind of the idea and theme of what he wants to do. He wants to have that kind of pro-style offense. He really likes having the quarterback go under center, and that's a big part of what they do. And that's going to be a big adjustment for someone like K.J. Jefferson. But if you look at what he's been doing in his last few years, there's been a little bit more of a modern flair to the offense, and it's kind of incorporating some more of those those spread concepts. But, you know, with a guy like K.J. Jefferson, if you try to put him in a, in a hole and try to box him in and limit what he can do, you're just not going to get the best version of, of him. And I think Dan Enos fully understands that. And talking with him yesterday, he's, he just could not have raved more about what he sees out of K.J. Jefferson on the field, off the field, in the meeting rooms, you know, with the team, with the coaches, with the coaches and families. I mean, he just could not have spoken higher of K.J. Jefferson and, He's really excited about the kind of that challenge, like you mentioned, of doing something a little bit different. You know, he, he doesn't want to just box him into this pro style concept, although Arkansas will, will be under center and they will run some of that. There's going to be plenty of play action, but at the end of the day, you have to let KJ Jefferson be KJ Jefferson. They're going to run the ball with the quarterback a lot. It's going to be a big part of what they do. And with Rocket Sanders in the backfield, that run game should be pretty solid, even though there are some, you know, question marks in the offensive line, you know, this season, but. You, know, you expect the Sam Pittman team to have a pretty good offensive line, so I'm not really sure. worried too much about that group. But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. You're going to see maybe the evolution of K.J. Jefferson to an extent where you might see him as more of a drop-back, prototypical you know, pocket-passing quarterback, and he's going to be throwing over the middle a lot and running some concepts that he hasn't before. And I think people will start to see kind of how well-rounded he is as a quarterback. But I think also you're going to see Dan Enos embrace the modern offense a little bit He's not going to be able to be afraid to run K.J. Jefferson all the time to win games. And I think it's going to be a really nice mix. And all indications coming out of camp and this offseason are that that marriage has gone really well between Danny Nose and K.J. Jefferson. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see just what it looks like, you know, schematically and just on the field and yeah, what they can yeah. do against opponents. But uh, if the spring game is any indication, and that's kind of all we really have to go on at this point, I really liked what I was seeing out of the offense. And K.J. definitely looks really comfortable in the offense and as a fifth-year senior going into his third year as a starter in this league. Yeah, and to me the fascinating part of what you're saying is how you use K.J. Jefferson in the run game as part of a pro-style offense. But Because obviously the, the kind of spread them out, read option stuff is more uh, makes it a little bit easier to have the quarterback involved with that. Hey, one last thing for you, Andrew, and, and we've got about a minute and a half left. I, I look at this Arkansas team and the area that I kind of gravitate to, obviously there's some some losses at linebacker, guys that, that had a million tackles. So eh, we don't have time to get into that. What about receiver? Because I don't see names that just like pop off the page at me. How do you feel about this receiving core and the ability for K.J. Jefferson to deliver the ball to whoever those guys are? You know, it's interesting you say that because about three months ago, I, I had the exact same reaction. I'm thinking, man, you brought in a couple of D2 transfers and you've got a couple younger guys who haven't really played a whole lot. Like this is, you know, there wasn't really a big name. There wasn't a Jadon Hazelwood that they brought in. But 
Right. I, I, you know, I, all of those concerns have been alleviated in fall camp. Just watching this group and seeing the physicality. Andrew Armstrong is a guy that people do not know who his name is. I didn't know who his name was until he committed to Arkansas. But these are guys, him and Isaac Tesla are just big time, you know, big time legitimate NFL prospects that are coming from a D2 school. And I, I think that they're probably ahead of schedule in fall camp in terms of what they were expecting from that receiver group. There's another young guy in Isaiah Satania. That's a name that I think people should remember. I think he's due for a nice little breakout. And again, like we've mentioned, when you're running the ball with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, it's not like these receivers have to be superstars. You've got That's a veteran right. at quarterback. You should have a good offensive line, good running back. I think the receivers are going to be able to get the job done. And I'm cautiously optimistic about what I've seen from that group at fall camp. Andrew, great insight. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hope we can catch up again soon. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. No problem. Andrew Ellis on the Farm Bureau guest line writes at hogsports.com. We'll be right back. Happening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Andrew Ellis. You wanted your uh, Arkansas fix. You got it there. Um, a lot of insight. New defensive coordinator, Travis Williams. New offensive coordinator, and Danny, you know, certainly that is a familiar name. Familiar at quarterback with K.J. Jefferson and running back with Rocket Sanders. And after that, not a ton of names that you know. Okay, I was thinking during the break, when you think about the SEC West, Somebody's going to win the West. Somebody's going to finish dead last in the West. Most everybody thinks that Alabama, LSU, LSU, Alabama is some combination of one, two in the West. After that, think about the other teams in the West. Ole Miss, I get the sense, and we're going to hear from Lane Kiffin later in the show this afternoon, that deep down Lane Kiffin is starting to really like this team. He does and, not like talking to media, but yes, he does seem like he lock, uh, likes his football team. And, and and thinks that they can be pretty good, and they were an eight-win football team a year ago. Mississippi State, Zach Arnett's got not, not going to say just a ton of positive stuff. Zach Arnett likes this football team. He's got a veteran quarterback. He's got some dudes back on the defensive side of the ball. He likes the staff that he's put together. I think deep down, Zach Arnett probably is just fine with where Mississippi State has been picked at the bottom of the West so that they can do the the lunch pail, hard hat, us against the world, nobody believes in us, circle the wagons, all that stuff, and, and kind of use that. So Mississippi State internally believes that it can be pretty good. You just heard from Andrew Ellis. Arkansas, I think, believes that it can be pretty good. Texas A&M, they know how much talent they've got on the roster. I think internally, Texas A&M, Wegman returning at quarterback, new offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino to maybe do a little bit better job with play calling, got some dudes on the defensive side. I think A&M believes they can be pretty good. And then there's Auburn. And I don't know what Auburn believes, 
But I think they'll be competitive. They're going to go out. They're going to play hard. They're going to be competitive. Yeah. Just not sure they're there yet in terms of of personnel. Yeah, and and to but Hugh everybody Freeze, can't be what they think they're going to be. That's like right. the reality of the set. Not everybody can win just because they think they're going to win. And to Hugh Freeze's credit, he's trying to tell his fans who are not listening, "Hey guys, relax, please. Not there yet. <laughs> We're not, not there, there yet. yet." And and he's trying, and and they're going to lose games, and the fans are going to be upset. And he's, I told you. Fallburn goes to a bowl game this year. It was a pretty good job. Good coaching job. If they win more than they lose, it's a really good coaching job. Yeah. Um, recruiting well, though, naturally. But, um, no, you're right. And somebody asked me last night, if not, well, they brought a question from Josh Pate's show to me. Love that. But it was, if not Alabama, LSU, and A&M, then who? And I said, well, take, out, take A&M out of that. Take, take them out of that. Because until they show you that they are in the mm-hmm. same grouping of Alabama and LSU, they belong with everybody else. They do. 100%. And you can make a compelling argument for a third-place finish for everybody, I think, but Auburn in the West. You can make yeah, a compelling... It's hard to see Auburn finishing higher than fifth. Yeah. If they finish fifth, they're probably 7-5, and five and it was a pretty good year. They probably yeah. won three games in the league. But I, I can make a compelling argument why Ole Miss will finish third in the West. I can make a compelling argument for why Mississippi State will finish third in the West. And an argument that, that holes can get poked into, but that applies to everybody. You make a compelling argument for Arkansas and then poke holes in it. You make a compelling argument for AM and poke holes in it. Those four teams, and, and people will want to throw Auburn in there. I don't think they're ready, but throw Auburn in there too if you'd like. Those five teams are, are so much closer to each other than some people in our business kind of want to give them credit for. And you know the crazy thing? I picked LSU to win the West. But when you think about Ole Miss against those top two teams predicted in the West, I like Ole Miss's chances better against LSU at home than I do on the road against Alabama. And yet I picked LSU to win the West. I mean, make make that make sense. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just home versus road, traditional rivalry, I, whatever. But it's um, it's something. Hey, I want to I want to go back. We were looking at that all-time top 25 list a, a little while ago, and we just kind of left you hanging on that because we stopped and we talked so much. Let me just give you the SEC teams that are in the all-time top 25 based on AP poll finishes dating to 1936. So you had Alabama as the number one overall team. The next SEC team doesn't pop up until 10. But starting at 10, five of your next six are SEC teams. Tennessee at 10, LSU at 11, Georgia at 12, Auburn at 14, Florida at 15. Then you bounce down, you got Arkansas at 20, Texas A&M at 21, and Ole Miss at 24. And, and look, very clearly, Ole Miss stacked up some points in the late 50s, kind of through the 60s. The, the John Vault era was very good to Ole Miss in this all-time top 25 poll because you had a lot of finishes. You know, post-Johnny Vault, it really started in what 1983 with Billy Brewer. It's been a roller coaster. I mean, it was you know under Billy Brewer, it's what 
Seven wins, six wins, eight wins, three wins, five wins, seven wins, six wins, four wins. It was it was kind of that up and down deal. And then the high water mark was the the nineteen ninety season, where Ole Miss played Tennessee in the Liberty Bowl stadium, not game. And if they win that game, they go to the Sugar Bowl. And they beat Tennessee in every statistical category in that game except the scoreboard. And so Tennessee went to the Sugar Bowl, and Ole Miss went to the Gator Bowl and faced a massive, angry Michigan team. And that was kind of the high-water mark for, for the Billy Brewer era. And then you go from what? Billy Brewer to Jolie Dunn to Tommy Tuberville kind of into the modern era, and, and it's continued, right? It's been little success, little success, little success, drop-off. Little success, little success. Ooh, a lot of success, drop-off. And, and it's kind of happened that way. And, and so that's why Ole Miss is not higher in this all-time top 25 ranking. It's because they had not been able to sustain success. I mean, if, if Ole Miss had just had a bunch of 7-5, and 8-4s, and fours, where they finished in the top 25 as opposed to those 3 and 8s and 4 and 7s and 3 and 9s and 2 and 10s that were mixed in along the way then they wouldn't be at 24 they'd be you know 17 18 19 somewhere in there but instead they're just inside that uh, that cut line so that's uh that that's where you are on that front I was looking at the point totals you you sent me that link where was um, where was Ole Miss? They were twenty fourth with three hundred and sixty two, which is sixteen total points behind Wisconsin at twenty three, and they're ahead of Iowa by eighteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, interesting poll though. And uh, how, many, how many was it? I, I didn't count. Was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? You've got nine SEC teams that are in the all-time top 25 based on AP poll finishes since 1936. And for the majority of that time, the SEC had only 10 teams. For the last 30 years, it's been 12 teams. Well, last 25, or you, you understand. It's only been a decade, 11 years, I guess, since the SEC went to 14 teams. So, um, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. Learn more online at ceasefire.com slash business. Dwayne and Brandon, I'm not sure what I said, Dwayne, that made no sense. You'll have to help me out. Do you know exactly when, Borky, that popped up? Don't make no sense. You know, it doesn't make sense. Eight consecutive days of temperature above 100 degrees upcoming. Ready? I hope you enjoy Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, no, it's nine days. It's nine consecutive days now. We're, we're going to get 100 on uh, Sunday of week zero as uh, as well. There is not a temperature on my 10-day for a high 
that is double digits. So that's going to be fun. I'm afraid to pull up the uh, the 10 day forecast for Oxford. It's slightly better, but only slightly. Yeah, there are only two triple digit days in the uh, the 10 day forecast. If we can get to September first, we'll get back down into the 80s. We're back after this on Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. With you on this Friday afternoon, about halfway through Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Lots of stuff happening. Um, if traffic is any indication, I called Michael Borky today. I was like, I think I'm going to make it to the studio on time. Oxford is a parking lot. Not like a football Friday afternoon parking lot, but uh, a lot of activity. So, getting busy go to visit oxfordms.com check out the events page it'll let you know about all the things that are coming up whether you're looking for live music or other activities they've got you covered that's visit oxfordms.com and be sure to follow them on twitter facebook instagram and tiktok at visit oxfordms Forky, there is a um there's a story on the 24/7 sports website that is um, it's kind of interesting. College football's 11 most valuable players relative to heightened success this season. So the idea is you got some guys out there that if they have success, it should drive their team to success as well. A lot of subjectivity in this, yeah. right? That there is. There's some names on here that are, are fascinating. So the last guy on the list at number eleven is Quinshawn Judkins. Now they write that given the uncertainty of the Ole Miss quarterback room, the Rebels need Quinshawn Judkins best as the SEC's top returning rusher. I don't blame them, though. No, 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 I don't. Because this is so goofy. I was thinking about this last night. So Lane Kiffin, for those of you that don't know, in the press conference yesterday was asked about quarterbacks, and he hasn't decided who the starter is going to be and all that stuff. And um, he's full of it. Blah, 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 blah. And and he absolutely knows. But still, that's what he says. And, And so I was thinking about how everything else tells you that the answer is quite obvious. The the. Viewing periods that the media has been able to see at practice, it's been it's Jackson Dart's football team. Not only with his performance and the stats that they give him with the ones, but also just demeanor and leadership, and and that's it. He, it's clearly apparently his football team. Same thing in a scrimmage where he takes the most reps with the ones in the scrimmage, and then after halftime he takes his helmet off, and the other guys get to go play with the backups and stuff. Like. All of that tells you, if you listen to his teammates and the way they talk in their interviews, everything says that it's very obviously Jackson Dart and and there's no competition in the true sense of the word right now. Except for what the head coach says. (laughs) Everything else tells you that, ah, it's Jackson Dart's job, and then the head coach gets behind a microphone and says, no, it's not. 
Yeah. You know, we'll see. I mean, they did competition as well with Matt Corral and Plumley, and everybody knew that. I mean, everybody knows what the deal is. You're right. So, Quinshawn Judkins, number 11 on this list. Number 10 is Spencer Rattler. I can get behind that. When Spencer Rattler was bad during his first season with the Gamecocks, the South Carolina offense suffered. At his best, though, his team knocked two opponents out of the college football playoff race as arguably the nation's hottest team down the stretch. He was so good against Tennessee, six touchdowns through the air with 438 yards passing, 63 points, and then he followed it up with 360 yards and two touchdowns against Clemson. Number nine on the list, guy we talked about just a little while ago, K.J. Jefferson. What if teams load up to try and stop the run and Raheem Sanders? Rocket Sanders last year was the second-leading rusher in the SEC. And so you've got an experienced quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. Can those passing yards go up? Can he go over 3,000 yards passing for the first time in his career? Can he get it to 3,500? Can it be a 4,000-yard passing season for K.J. Jefferson? We'll have to wait and see. It depends on how they use him. I mean, if... It really does. That is the question, because Bryles used him in a way that highlighted his strengths, but those strengths also lead to injuries. And, and you know, this will be his third year as a starter in the SEC. Will he play all 12 games? So two years ago, he played all 13 games. Last year, he played in 11 of the 13 that Arkansas played. So and I don't, they, they weren't beating games. Mississippi State anyway. They weren't, I don't think. But they were guaranteed a loss with, without him in Starkville last year. Yeah, guaranteed. They, they were never winning that game without him. If he stays healthy, then it makes toss-up games a lot more winnable than what should have been a toss-up game for them last year, and it wasn't. Number eight on the list is Harold Perkins, best defensive player in college football. Therefore, he makes this group of most valuable to his team's success. They say that Harold Perkins carried LSU to a win at Arkansas last season in a defensive slugfest. And even when he doesn't make a tackle sack or swat a pass down, he's disruptive, and that's half the battle when you're in the middle of a conference championship race. I I love what they say on the last sentence, though, about Harold Perkins. His versatility makes him unique and quite a weapon. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, right? That... They're going to call him an inside linebacker. Does that mean that he's going to line up somewhere between a guard and a tackle straight across from them every single snap? I, I would be shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Yeah. Number seven on this list is Cade Klubnick, quarterback at Clemson. So, Abo Swinney and... Garrett Riley calling offensive plays, former five-star. Pretty good as a backup last year. Clemson wants to get back to what they were doing a few years ago. Quarterback play has to elevate. I've said it a million times, most important position in, in football. You need an example? Look at Clemson's quarterback play the last two years with D.J. Uyangaloy. It was significantly down from where it was pre-DJ, with Trevor Lawrence, with Deshaun Watson. 
whoever else you want to throw in the mix. They had a heck of a run with quarterbacks at Clemson. Going back to Taj Boyd. Yeah. And I, like we said a few weeks ago, I like his value as long as you're not going to be irresponsible, bet responsibly, but do it at Pearl River Resort, uh, Sportsbook at Time at Lounge. I like the future of Club Nick for Heisman. People are doing the same thing with Carson Beck. I, I think that Club Nick might give you more value because uh, he's a relative unknown. I mean, how many pe- how many college football fans who's a quarterback at Clemson could answer that question? Probably not many, despite him being the quarterback at Clemson. I mean, there's there's two games on their schedule that are against teams that you would call on their playing field, right? South Carolina, Florida State. Yeah. There, there's a chance that he has a stellar statistical season and they finish in the top five and go to the playoff. There's value there. There is. Drop, you know, drop 10 bucks on it and you'll get 1500 if you win. You know, the road trip to NC State. I mean, Notre Dame on that schedule. That, that's another Oh, that yep. Notre Dame's another one. So there's three. It's at home. It's at home. They get North Carolina at home as well. I'd argue four pretty good opponents there. So we'll you see. You know, even Duke might get a little squirrely there for a little while in the week neutral one. Neutral site, Labor Day night. Duke's Maybe. got great. Ah, great. No, not great. Duke has a, a very interesting and possibly really good quarterback as well they on do. their side. They do. Absolutely. Number six on this list of uh, most impactful players this year, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. Number five, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. This is interesting. Washington is taking a cautious approach with Michael Penix during camp leading into the start of the season. They gave him a week off to rest his arm, and then they brought him back last Saturday with the first team in the first scrimmage. Put him in bubble wrap. He means that much to the Huskies. Yeah. Caleb Williams at USC is number four on the list. How about this at number three? Michael Pratt. Tulane would not be a college football playoff threat from the group of five ranks if Michael Pratt left for the NFL after last year. I'm still not sure that they're a threat for that, but okay. He means that much to the Green Wave's continued march toward national respect coming off an incredible campaign. He was really good against USC in the Cotton Bowl. Threw for over 3,000 yards last year. He was healthy. Had nearly 500 yards on the ground. But they lost a lot around him. That's who Ole Miss will see in week two. How about this name at number two on this list? You wouldn't have believed it a couple of years ago. We're talking about the 11 most valuable players in college football Relative to their team having success, number two, Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon. And his six degrees. How many children does he have? Man, he was so good last year. You you think uh, his oldest started kindergarten yet? or 14 rushing touchdowns, 3,593 yards, and 29 passing touchdowns. And he completed 72%. And then number one on the list, North Carolina quarterback Drake May. Drake May. He's really good. They're not getting as much help at receiver as they had hoped with Drake May. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Best. Sports Talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. 
We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Barnett and from uh, Lane Kiffin. We will do that in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got a Food Friday coming up. we got a college football fix coming up. We've got jamborees happening all over the state of Mississippi tonight at the high school football level. I don't know if we're going to get to both coaches today. You don't think it's going to happen? I don't think so. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see. Maybe a little bit of both of them. We'll try and squeeze it in. Um, so... Last year was the first year for the balconies at Mississippi State. That's the um, the build-out that they did on the west side upper deck. And you remember when they were first going in, we kind of looked down and we were like, eh, let's, let's wait and see how this turns out. Well, they turned out pretty good. And, and people seem to really enjoy that. Now, is it the best place to watch a football game? That's eye of the beholder stuff. Like, if you want a bird's eye view where you can see the entire play developing and whatever, maybe you like the upper deck. Most people probably would prefer to be lower level, what, 15, 20 rows up? But but whatever. But these turned into really cool spots. And we got a message on the ceasefire text line from a guy who said, hey, a lot of activity at Davis Wade Stadium today. It's move-in day for the balconies. Football is in the air. And we asked for some pictures, and boy, did we get them. Yeah, guys have they got their chairs set up up top. Got, uh, I think, maybe some snacks, maybe some beverages. They are in the shade. And uh, it... I'm just being honest. When, when when that was first announced and we saw some of the early construction pictures, I was very, we got to wait and see on this. I, I, I need to see a finished product before there's any kind of judgment. And the finished product turned out pretty darn good. And people really seem to be enjoying those. So thanks for the pictures. Always cool to see inside a football stadium this time of year. Playing surface looks great inside Davis Wade Stadium. All right, another question, Borky, that we got. People are going cray-cray over this new MSU interlocking logo. They want stuff. And specifically, a number of our listeners want Genteel stuff. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Be sure to check out the Collegiate Collection. Your favorite team's stuff is there. Golf shirts, pullovers, and more. So, with regard to this message, I got a message that any idea on a Genteel MSU release? I, I had asked Blake about this earlier in the week. And I, I just sent him a message, hey, I'm not bugging you about this. Just curious. People want this stuff. And we're getting listeners that are texting us every single day saying, hey, what's up with Genteel and the interlocking MSU logo? He said, 
I'd love to come on your show and talk a little bit about how difficult it is to go through the licensing department. He said, with that said, the people that run Mississippi State's collegiate licensing office are fantastic to work with. Earlier this week, they applied for the vault collection logos at Mississippi State, and they're following up with an email to see if there's any way to expedite that. They understand that there is a demand for that logo on shirts and on pullovers. They do not have it yet, but they are moving as quickly as they can, and the last thing he says is hoping to have these approved and printed before football season. That means they're about to be moving if they're going to get it done before football season, but they're trying to get the permission to use that logo for Mississippi State's licensing department. They've already submitted the request, hoping to get an answer on that early next week and then hit the ground running on the uh, the embroidery machines and, and get those out and available. And I can promise you, as soon as those are available, we're going to get a couple, and and we'll give those away. And, Borky, you were out the day that Hey Dad and I talked about this. We kind of put it off, but it's time. We can't put it off anymore. So we're going to do a, um, a trivia deal, and we're going to give away some, uh, some genteel shirts yeah, leading into right. football season. So we're going to do some... We're going to get a couple with, uh, with Southern Miss logos, a couple with Ole Miss, a couple with Mississippi State, and uh, we're going to do a few Sports Talk Mississippi logos as well, or Super Talk Mississippi logo shirts as well. And we're going to give those on away with some uh, trivia between now and uh, the start of college football season. Dwayne does not let me forget about that, so that is coming, Dwayne. I promise you. I promise you. Um, are you excited for the weekend? I am, but honestly, you should never wish time away. I'm ready for this to be the last weekend without college football. Yeah. I'm ready for it to be here now. Like There's nothing that I want to do tomorrow that I would rather do next weekend. Okay. If that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I'm just ready for it to be football now. I'm with you. I don't want to skip past this weekend, though. This is, for the last four or five years, get some buddies with a little short golf trip this weekend. Roll out Sunday or Saturday morning, get home Sunday night. That is this week. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, you're going to take me home tonight. Just after 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. You know what that means? Welcome to the weekend on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. They'll help you jump into the weekend at the Sports Book of the Golden Moon. So much to do, so much going on at Pearl River Resort. you got live entertainment, you've got gaming, you've got the Sports Book, you've got Geyser Falls, you've got great restaurants, and oh, by the way, you got golf. It's all available to you at Pearl River Resort. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 
888-3795. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Great to be with you. College football fix. It is time for that right now. College football fix is driven by Ford. And your local Mississippi Ford dealers log on to buyfordnow.com. Remember, the summer sales event is going on. It's savings for you on the Ford vehicle of your choosing. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Hey, Dad, off today. But we are uh, going to attempt to visit with him in the next segment as part of Food Friday. He uh, he assures us that he has been working hard preparing food today. Took a day off his... to prep food. Man. He works you know on those parties. I've never seen somebody work harder to host a party than that guy. And that's a compliment. Yeah. He, um, Brian Haydad is one of the most unique individuals <laughs> I have ever met in my life. He is set in his ways. He is a planner. He has unique interests. And he doesn't care what you think about any of that because he's good with it. Very comfortable in the life that he lives. And I love that about him. So we'll talk with Hey Dad in, uh, in just a bit. So Borky was dreaming. I was dreaming about week one. About week one, and and what I found was it wasn't uh, it wasn't a nightmare, and it wasn't the best dream you ever had. It's somewhere in between. It's it's just a good dream, and that's week one in college football. The the depth of the schedule is not there. Is not there. Week two is much better. But week two is good. Week two is good. There are some marquee matchups. All right. So what is this exercise we are going to rank the ones, the marquee ones? based on watchability. Let's pretend for a second you didn't have to work that day, because you have to work that day. And you were sitting on the couch and you had a couple TVs. What's the game you got to see? What's the next? And so Uh, on and so uh, on. Okay, so listen, I will tell you that the way I ordered this list may not be in terms of the best game, but you use the word watchability. Watchability. And, and, And so watchability to me means... The game is interesting. It could be entertaining. Probably got full stadiums, fan bases that are passionate. Like, there are a lot of different things that I use as qualifiers. And also need to know that this is for the entire weekend. So we're going Thursday through Monday in terms of grabbing games that are most watchable. Number one is easy. It's not close. It's Sunday night in Orlando. It's LSU, Florida State. Two top ten teams, high expectations for both, played a year ago in the Dome, and it delivered absolutely, absolutely. You're going to have a packed house at the stadium, good uniforms, a lot of juice, a lot of energy. 
you know, a lot of hold that tiger, a lot of tomahawk chop, the whole deal. That's number one for me. Especially with probably two of the, what, two of the eight best quarterbacks in college football? Two of the ten best in college football? Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels? Yeah. Pretty I mean, out of the season. Yeah. Going in. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. So for me, that's number one. Number two, I'm going border state rivalry. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Charlotte. Now, I need the North Carolina fans and the South Carolina fans to show up. You need to fill that stadium. It's not a ridiculous trip for either program, but it's not like it's just right across the street. There's a little bit of commitment here. And the last time North Carolina and South Carolina played in Charlotte, a good crowd. They didn't have a great crowd. Yeah, it was kind of odd, honestly. But you've got a North Carolina team with a Heisman candidate quarterback, and a lot. There's there's some new there with a new offensive coordinator, post Phil Longo. There's some excitement around that program with Mac Brown, and a South Carolina program that finished, I mean, I know they lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game, finished the regular season on a high note, Spencer Sanders returning. Rattler. Rattler. Spencer Rattler returning at South Carolina. Good colors in the stands. I mean, like a very, you will very definitively know whether you're looking at South Carolina fans or North Carolina fans. That that powder blue against the Garnet's going to pop. They should do a color-on-color Uniform matchup, but whatever. Okay. I would have no issue with that. So that's number two for me. Number three, I'm going Florida at Utah. I'm not convinced that this is going to be a game that's going to be a beautiful game, but Rice Eccles Stadium will be full. It looks really good on television. This game delivered a year ago. Got some drama at the end with Anthony Richardson leading the drive and Florida getting the win. I need to see Cam Rising in this game. I, I need him to uh, exit the medical tent and play the role of Superman. Still didn't really practice today. It's all right. They don't play today. No, they played in 13 days. Yep. He, he got time. You know, get that last week and a half of rehab and then be ready to go. Um, You might push back here because... I think the score is lopsided, but the storyline is good enough that I'm in. Colorado at TCU. Out of all the games this coming week, or, you know, week one, that's fourth on my list for watchability. Not for best game, just for watchability. And I don't know that I can stick with that one all the way through. The game will have to be compelling for me to stay with it. But you have my attention at least out of the gate. Somebody said, who is Spencer Sanders? Richard said the same thing the other day. He's the backup quarterback at Ole Miss. We've talked about Spencer Sanders the entire offseason, and so when I get a Spencer out and we're talking about quarterbacks, forgive me for the slip. I am I know it's Spencer Rattler. Um, next up, Borky, I don't think it's going to be a particularly good game, but I think there'll be a ton of orange in Nashville, and it'll look cool on TV. So i got Virginia and Tennessee. And then Boise State in Washington. Yeah, see, you're starting to. And then West Virginia and Penn State. And then Clemson and Duke. Huh? West Virginia, Penn State. There's a lot of negative energy in a good way. A lot of negative Mm -hmm. energy in that one. So at least 
you know, there might be that. I mean, Penn State looks great on game day. Yeah, it does. Are they playing that one at night or is that a day game? Do you remember? Just off the top of your head? I do not remember off the top of my head. I'll, I'll tell you in 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and then Clemson Duke on that Monday night. I mean, I feel bad for having Ohio State at Indiana. Six thirty on NBC for that one. Okay, yeah, that'll be yeah. good. That'd be good. I got Ohio State at Indiana last on the list. Um, what time does that one kick? I could be persuaded to move that up the list if it's a night game. It is not. It's at two thirty on CBS. Um, it is not watchable if they use the SEC on CBS music. I think they will. That makes it unwatchable. <laughs> um, Memorial Stadium in Bloomington doesn't really do much for me. That's a lot of red between two teams. It just doesn't. Ohio State's a twenty-eight and a half point favorite. It's tough. What what we need is like shout out Will East Carolina to to have a really good first half in Ann Arbor. That's the kind of stuff we need in the opening weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a little bit of, wait, what? Yeah. what One of those games that you weren't planning on locking in on, and then you can't turn it off. I mean, you remember Michigan Army a couple of years ago? Yeah. Was That that was a week one game, wasn't it? I, I think you're right. And we couldn't turn it off. It's like, is Army going to do it? They didn't, but... They certainly kept us engaged till the very end. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Food Friday, coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. you on this Friday afternoon. If you happen to be watching on Super Talk TV, there's an additional face. Hello, Mr. Hadid. What's up, boys? This should count as a day of work. I should not have to take a personal day for this. Yeah, working on a day Joe off. Back. Brian Haydad checking in with us for a, uh, a Food Friday. It is Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, and it's our favorite time of the week, Food Friday Presented by Polk's Meat. You can find them. No, there's no music yet. I mean, at, at some point, somebody's going to care enough. Michael Borky, Will East, to hey, actually get the movie, know, music bed. You, you've been in media for, um, like, my entire life, right? Yeah. And you don't know how to create and edit an audio anything? I mean, you well, can do I it. I do. I'm, now, now I have to do it. I'll do it. No, hey, Dad. We, we do enough. Ah, uh, you're right. You're not wrong. Yes, I can edit a file, but I don't have the ability to load it into the computer that is sitting in front of you and play Send it. Send it to me. I got I it. I guess I'll just play it from here. I mean, if you want something done right, sometimes you just got to do it yourself, I suppose. We just need bacon grease audio is what we need. Uh, Food Friday <laughs> is presented by Polk's Meat. Find mo- out more about them. Just find out more about them online at polksmeat.com. Uh, recipe ideas, all of the products that they've got available. But when you go to the grocery store, when you do your grocery shopping, like Hey Dad has done in mass this week to get ready for this uh, soiree that he is having at his home uh, tomorrow, 
Uh, be sure that you are looking in the meat department for the Polk's meat products packaging. You can't miss it. It's that bright yellow label. It's got Polk's in blue, trimmed in red, and whether you're looking for the, uh, the, the ham, the ham steaks, the ham for the biscuits, the garlic and green onion sausage, the Cajun smoked sausage, the original smoked sausage, the original beef smoked sausage, they got all of it. You decide which one you like best, but you can't decide that until you try them all. Do yourself a favor, try them all. Uh, no buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. I could not be more disappointed in your uh, your your chair picture. I, I thought we were going to get a food prep video picture from you. <laughs> I mean, I took a second to sit down, you know. To, oh, because you've to, been slaving away in the salt mines today, huh? I've, I've been working hard. So Okay. These cats think it's time to eat. It is not time to eat yet. So is that what we're going to go in here? Your chair in the evening. They think it's time to eat. They, they they just think when anybody moves at this time of day, it's time to eat. So this is the uh, the now famous this is our this is the second fridge here. Okay. And is, uh, let's see. Can I can I flip my camera here? I guess I could. I don't know. Anyway, you can see I've got there's all the meats. Here's the polks right here. There it is, right right there. Can you see that? Yep, original. Uh, I got, like a couple of, got a couple of tri-tips right here. Uh, sausage. We're going to stuff these uh, these peppers right here with that. See the peppers? Ooh, got some yeah. pork tenderloins, some chicken thighs. Got some chorizo. We're making a, a little queso with that. Got a bunch of uh, cheese cubed up in the uh, in this fridge. This is the new fridge, guys. Look, it's all beautiful right, stainless steel here. Stainless steel uh, French doors. doors. There you go. This is the new oven. Look at, look at that bad boy. Look at that. Hey, hey. Beautiful. Uh, the cheese is cubed up for the sausage and cheese platter. Uh, we've got uh, our slaw dressing made today. We've got our pickled onions made today. So what is Anything the menu? Like, like run down the menu. Uh, yeah, sure. So for, you know, I, I try to do something different with each protein. So... <laughs> the pork, the tenderloins. You're such a planner. I am. I am. I enjoy it. Uh, the pork. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use some. Uh, let me show you all this. By the way, this this is my midlife crisis over here, guys. Some guys get a sports car. You know, some guys leave their wife for a supermodel. I just have a lot of barbecue rubs. That's mine. Uh, <laughs> If you're not watching so, on Super uh, Talk TV, he just showed you a cabinet that is three shelves tall, full of barbecue rubs. And that's not all of them. Hold on, I got a. Uh, in this cabinet here, we got we got we got some on this side too. There's all my my, my big my keep the Danos in the big uh, containers as I go through those. Okay. Uh, the pork is getting uh, just a barbecue rub, barbecue sauce treatment uh, with the pickled onions. We're gonna make some sliders out of those. Uh, the chicken will be made into tacos. They're going to be Asian tacos. Uh, I'm going to marinate those in my favorite thing, the Bachan's Japanese barbecue sauce. Again, I give that to my highest recommendation. If you haven't tried it yet, you're missing out. You can get it at Kroger. Uh, and I got some broccoli slaw with that that I made a dressing for. And those will be tacos. Uh, the steak, I decided what I wanted to do with that. We'll go back in the kitchen and I'll, I'll show you a little bit here. Um, right, okay, so the, the steak, the original plan was you were going to do... Like a sandwich. Cheese steak sandwiches. 
Yeah, I, I, I just couldn't figure out, I couldn't get in my head how to make it work. So what I'm going to do is I bought some of these flatbreads here, and uh, I'm going to put those on the grill with a little chimichurri sauce on them, some cheese, and then I'll grill up the tri-tip ahead of time, and we'll make like a, a grilled steak flatbread with those. Okay. All so, right. So I got almost, a sausage and almost cheese. like a steak pizza, like a cross between yeah. a steak pizza and an open-faced steak sandwich. Yeah, kind of. No, no telling what's going on back there with the kids. Uh, and then I got the sausage and cheese platter, the cross special. And then I got, uh, I'm doing the uh, the Italian, the peppers are stuffed with cream cheese and Italian sausage and bacon wrapped. Mm. So those will be good. And I've got two dips. I'm doing a, a queso with chorizo and a, a Mexican street corn dip. I'm I am fully on board the whole Mexican street corn thing. Like like I, I yeah, know, my wife loves maybe that. a little bit of a fan. Want me to make that? Yeah, um, that sounds really uh, really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a heck I'm of a excited. Spread. How many people are you expecting? Fifteen to twenty, maybe maybe a few more. Okay. So very good. I got a friend coming at noon on Sunday to give me a hand too. Oh, this is like, Sunday. Just, this is not Saturday. Yeah, it's Sunday. And uh, I like like doing this last year. I about passed out. Now, granted, part of that was probably I was uh, eighty pounds heavier, and that didn't help. But it was a lot of work last year, so I, I, I enlisted a sous chef this time. I like it. We uh, we are going to get to your submissions for Food Friday on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. We'll carry this into the next segment as well. Somebody says, oh, my gosh, Brian needs to sell tickets and let all of us come to this soiree. I'm in. What's his address? Let's just embarrass somebody real quick. Oh, there she goes. She didn't want to be on. Uh, she didn't want to be there. Mike in Oxford uh, says that he is available to eat on Sunday. You have a lot of people that are um, curious about how they suddenly can my friends, all, all these invite. Ole Miss fans that were getting on me about Michael Ower. Now all of a sudden they're my best buddies. Who is Michael Ower? Michael Ower? 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 Just put a little southern name on it. All right. Uh, Borky, what are you cooking this weekend? Uh, nothing. At least not for now. I, I might try hibachi. So, anyway, I, I've got a, a full day of, like, getting all the house stuff I need to get done tomorrow. Like, I'm really actually knocking out everything that I need to knock out as best as I can. Uh, and then I'm meeting a friend for drinks at a, at a new bar tomorrow night because I think he's doing the same thing and we're just going to like drown in our sorrows of we just worked our tails off in 100 degree heat all day long outside uh, but I might try to do hibachi I, I've got yeah. I've got a walk and I, I don't use it ever I don't know how it ended up at my house uh, just there, there's one there are you going to tell the jokes the, I mean if you're doing hibachi you have to tell the jokes oh yeah and do the oh, yeah Exactly. Toss, uh, toss shrimp into my dog's mouth if that wouldn't kill him. Have to Google it first, you know. Um, but I, I might think do shrimp, that. Dogs can eat shrimp, can't they? I think so. It's so weird, man. It's like no grapes, but like blueberries are fine. Well, what's the difference? But 
Yeah, if I if I do cook, yeah. it'll be that. I've got some videos saved. I I've, I want to use the thing. I just I don't know if I if I want to be super lazy this weekend after all the work I'm going to do. The other one here, will she'll, she'll come on camera. Hey. Say hey to everybody. Hi. What's up? Happy Friday. Yeah. Thank you. She gave you a yeah. Yeah. So that's all it. Right. Nothing nothing special. Not not like Porky. what's going on over there. Somebody wants to know what the name of the bar is. Said, uh, if you don't mind me asking, I've been looking for a new place to go, and all the places I know are in Jackson, which isn't necessarily a problem, but I want variety. Uh, no, free something town, uh, no, no free shout-outs. No free shout-outs. So if they want to pay me, I'll find out tomorrow, and I will give them verbal shout-outs. I will text you, though, a, a response. Wasn't it something downtown? I don't remember. The, some guy's name downtown. I don't remember the name of it, Borky. Downtown Leroy Brown? No, that's that's not it. I don't know. I don't know okay. what it is. Um, I'm going to disappoint you, <laughs> hey, Dad. I, uh, I I am hitting um, the road with my buddies this weekend. Um, okay. A little, little short, short golf trip just out tomorrow morning, back Sunday evening. Uh, the, the food will be amazing. The golf will be incredible. It's going to be hot, and I just don't even care. Hope your uh, your week. Well, are you going to take this for segment? Or are you out? on a bros trip? That's a great trip. All right, hang with us. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. There's a cat. Which one is that? This is Seamus. Seamus. The famous Seamus. How do you spell Seamus? Football. Uh, with an E. S-E-A-M-U-S. Okay. So like the golfer. Yeah, sure. It's, it's exactly that. where that name came from. I, I figured. Yes. I, I knew he was a fan. Uh, so <laughs> Food Friday is one of our very favorite things. And based on your interaction on the ceasefire text line, we think it is something that you enjoy as well. When Haydad and I were at the um, at the Dixie Youth World Series in Hattiesburg a few weeks ago, I feel like that point was driven home. We had several people that came up to us like, hey, are y'all still doing a Food Friday even though you're here, you're on the road? You know, it's not a – I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's happening. And they're like, good, good. Yes, Food Friday travels. So, and and as much fun as we have talking to you about what we're going to do on or around the grill this weekend, or every weekend, uh, we love getting your submissions as well. So let's start here. Trying a buddy's jalapeno and pineapple sauce on kebabs this weekend. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's one. We got pictures with this one. Prepped last night. About to throw these on the smoker tonight. We have... Not one, but two pork butts. Uh, in the background, we have a bottle of French's mustard that I'm sure has been appropriately used, a shaker of Killer Hog's hot dry rub, and a uh, shaker of Killer Hog's all-purpose dry rub. And, hey, Dad, you're a big fan of both of those, right? I use them both. I use them both regularly. Chandler from Waynesboro, since you guys tagged me last week about Cajun chicken pasta in the summertime, I'm going with the tried and true this weekend and grilling some aged choice ribeyes. Say hi. 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 
There we go. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Chandler, you are living right. And, and by the way, your, your pasta looked great last weekend. We just were messing with you. Um, Borky, could you please clip this for Twitter? This is Hey Dad wandering around through his house explaining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'll be content that people appreciate, I think. Yeah. It's not it's uh, not quite stately cross manor, but it, it is my house. It is my uh, home. Really digging the ceiling fan in Hey Dad's kitchen. So underrated. Oh, ceiling fan in the kitchen one. is that's a big deal. It gets really hot yeah. in my kitchen too. I, I leave because I've got a lot of window. The only part of the house that was made like not in nineteen ninety one, I swear, is the kitchen area. There's a ton of windows and I love natural light. And so I, I've got curtains, but I, I keep them open so as much natural light will come in. And it gets really hot in there. Yeah. Need a fan. Yeah. yeah. You got to have a fan. Uh, here Ceiling fans are a must. No doubt. No. You want you want in? You want I'll go. I'll go. Yes, I'll come say hey. One of my favorite people. <laughs> Only because I put up with him. <laughs> it's a Hey Dad family affair today on Sports Talk Mississippi. On Hey Dad's day off, right. no on less. On his day off. On my day off. Jennifer, hey, that's I'm not even have... supposed to be here today. He, he, he says you have – oh, she's gone. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no. I'm... She's still here. What? No, hey, that was saying that you have zero responsibility related to uh, to this party, to this soiree that you're having on Sunday. Is that, is that correct? Right. On the, the Christmas party is where I don't do any work. Yes, this is any, – any responsibility I take is, is self-inflicted. Okay. I might ask. still should take credit you can take credit. Okay. Right. I'm letting him have another woman over here. Is it? To, I, I've, I've heard enough. I'm good. Help. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> I'm just not going down that path. I don't know how this is going to end, and I'm not going down that road. Hey, Dad's got a big grin on his face with his wife standing right yeah. next to him. So all is uh, mm-hmm. all is well. Um, yeah. All right. You know, the Christmas party is my my forte. Yeah. I can't bake. I let her handle all that. Danny in Columbus is going with grilled chuck eyes, grilled cabbage slices, and homemade garlic bread. What is a chuck eye? Chuck eye is it's just like a ribeye steak, but it's from the chuck. It's from that. Okay. You know, that's it, it. It's it's very similar in taste and tenderness. Can we just see the people? But less expensive. Oh, he's been, he's already been on. Seamus has been on with us okay. already. <laughs> so, so not like what my grandmother would have called a chuck roast. Not the same thing. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Uh, very good. Uh, what else? My food Friday is George's drive-through in New Albany. I'm not mad at you for that. Uh, doing jalapeno pickled quail eggs. Oh. I'm so jealous. Uh oh. Uh oh. Did y'all see that? Yes. Put that animal down. I'm cutting that too. Uh, jealous of the guy. That almost you almost had to hit the dump button there, Borky. That would have that would have that would have gotten a, a curse word out of me. Mm. The guy in Ocean Springs that got shrimp fresh off the boat. There there are people sometimes that will get it off the boat and drive it up to the area. I haven't seen them lately, no. I need to find out where they went. Okay. Because they're, I mean, I'm just so jealous of of our friends on the coast that get to just drive up to the boat and buy shrimp off the boat. I'm so jealous of those people. Uh... A uh, question here. Todd wants to know what the internal temp needs to be on the tri-tip. I cook it like a steak. You know, one forty would be medium. Yeah. Okay. Since since it's going to be on a, on a flat bread, 
and I'm, you know, it's not, I'm not going to eat it like a steak. I might, I might go a little closer to medium than medium rare. Very good. Um, let's see. Brian needs to post. You can do it brisket style, though. You can take that thing to 200 and, and cook it that way, but that's a long process that I don't feel like doing. Gotcha. Uh, we got some folks that want pictures from you uh, on Monday's show. Uh, okay, I'll do what I can. They, they, oh, this is what you were talking about, Borky. The heads are still on. Those need to come off. But uh, otherwise, looks great. I mean, if you did shrimp and grits with the head still on, I think you would. it would be less enjoyable. I have brought this up before. It drives me nuts when you go to, like, really fancy restaurants and spend a lot of money on a shrimp dish, and the heads are still on the shrimp. Or the tail. Some people eat those. Drives me. Well, they treat them like crawfish, and they yeah. uh, they suck the heads. Uh, Brian and Tupelo says it's been a few days, but I went with the Hey Dad Tri Tip for the first time. It is my new favorite cut, and that looks great. What <laughs> great he said. Uh, let's get two more here, and then we will wrap up Food Friday. Lonnie says smoked marinated dove and roasted corn on the cob, and Ooh. Ricky in Ocean Springs seafood gumbo with fresh shrimp from the boat. And crab meat lump in little in a little extra sausage on the side. Well, just be sure that it's a little extra pulse sausage on the side. The garlic and green onion or the uh, Cajun would be just perfect with your seafood gumbo with fresh shrimp. Uh, or you could go in the gumbo if you wanted to do that as well. Um, fired up for the weekend and. Uh, Extra hungry at this point. Hey, Dad, have a great party. Thanks for uh, indulging right. us this afternoon. See you on Monday. I'm taking two segments off on Monday. Hey, hey, treat it like every other day. And with that, we say goodbye. We're taking the last word on that. Hey, Dad, joining us as all guests do on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. For a while now, for a few months now, I've been telling you about Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. And I always tell you about the great selection of vehicles that they've got and the, the used lot. And if you're not looking for a Ford vehicle, you got a Toyota dealership right there with Oxford Toyota just up the hill from the Ford dealership. But today, I want to tell you about the service department because I had an outstanding service experience today. Uh, it's time for the oil change. And so I dropped the truck, truck off. And oil changed, tires rotated. Borky, I forgot my bag. Like, I needed my bag that had my computer in it and notes and magazines and stuff that I needed for the show. And so I had to run in, and I was like, hey, it's it's on the lift right there, but could I? He's like, sure, man. And so he lowers the lift down so I can get bag out and put it back up. It's going to be ready to pick up as soon as I'm done with the show. And um, I will tell you, and, and, and this is not. They were really, really nice to me today. And they're like, hey, we know you got to run some errands. They let me take a vehicle that was on the lot. But it was something that I wanted to test drive. So they've got the new Heritage Edition F-150s. This is a 75th anniversary truck. And if you think about the old F-100s and the old F-150s, if you go way back, you remember there was a two-tone paint scheme on those. Not like where you've just got a different color at the bottom. But it was like the, the roof of the cab and kind of the, the steel parts of the frame coming down that, that weren't glass, obviously, were one color. And then kind of like the mid-panel section was a, a different color. And then down at the bottom, 
you went back to the solid color that you had on top. It was a great look for some of those old classic Ford trucks through the years. Well, they brought that back um, as the 75th edition. So the one I'm driving has got gray, red, gray. And it looks, it's really, really cool looking. Uh, it's got the blacked out wheels on it as well. Uh, so if you're in the market, they've got a red one and they've got a navy blue one, and they are beautiful. They're on the lot at Belk Ford in Oxford. You can test drive it. Be sure to tell them that Sports Talk Mississippi sent you. BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com, or stop by and see them on Highway 6 West in Oxford. We'll wrap it up coming up next with you right after this. your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. So they're doing a cool thing in Champaign, Illinois. For the first time in 20 years, Bill Self will return to Champaign to help raise money for the victims of the tragic fires in Maui. Bill Self has not coached a game in Champaign since he left Illinois for Kansas in 2003. Going to take the Jayhawks, who are preseason number one in the way-too-early rankings, and the uh, fighting, it's going to take them to Champaign to play. Um, both Illinois and Kansas in recent years have played in the Maui Invitational, and Kansas is set to play in that event this year, although there's still some question based on the fires as to whether or not it's going to happen. Uh, Bill Self said in a statement, for decades the Maui Invitational in the city of Lahaina have been very important to college basketball, and our thoughts and prayers go to that entire community as they recover from such a tragic event. So, kind of cool. The NCAA gives a waiver to teams who want to play an exhibition game that is a charity event, and uh, that's exactly what they're going to do. It's going to air on Big Ten Network. I think I read that in the story. So that um, you get Kansas and Illinois at the end of October to raise some money for charity going into the season. That's a cool story. Yeah, Nothing like a. Have a good feel-good story on the way out the door on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. You want me to ruin it more than the government's doing at the moment? But oh yeah, well that's true. Monday morning at six for a follow-up to that statement. But yeah, uh, Andrew Ellis was on with us earlier today from uh, HogSports.com. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Glad, as always, to uh, be with you this afternoon uh, and every afternoon. Um, I can't bring myself to do that. The, the, Dwayne Haskins, the former Ohio State quarterback that was drafted and died after being hit by a dump truck on what on the interstate, there's a lot going on there. Tragic loss of life, way, way, way too young. The details of that are kind of back out again as they've reached a settlement in that. I, I had forgotten how bad 
that was. It was bad on a lot of levels. You uh, you have the second FedEx Cup playoff event happening this week. This is the uh, the BMW Championship in uh, right outside of Chicago at Olympia Fields. Max Holman just went out and shot a 62 today. That's eight under par. He is in the lead at 10 under, followed by Chris Kirk and Brian Harmon. Rory McIlroy is lurking five back at five under par, as is Ricky Fowler. you got Harris English there, Justin Rose there, Scotty Scheffler there. You get to these playoff events, and it is a really, really good leaderboard. Only 49 players in the field. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama dropped out, uh, and so you got 49 guys that are playing, including... Seamus Power, <laughs> not hey, that's cat, but the golfer. So, um, you're going to enjoy the weekend, Borky, but you're really just yeah. ready to mark this one off and move to the next. I'm one, ready right? to mark this one off and move to the next one. I'm also, you know, weather is a topic that should uh, apparently should be avoided on on shows like this because you know everybody knows what the weather is. But I'm ready for this crap to be done too. My yard's dying. Every yard in the neighborhood's dying. ACs are going out all over the place, including mine. Hopefully that holds for the next couple weeks until this goes away. Hopefully that holds for the next few years. Well, you just bought yeah. a new air conditioned unit. True. But you know how things go, man. What what we need is whatever that tropical disturbance is forming in the Gulf to like only form as like a lot of rain. You know, nothing more. No, 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 don't give us a hurricane or anything. Just become a large circle of rain and just a, a light breeze. You, you want a tropical depression. I want a, dep- a tropical depression to just come on through Mississippi and cool us down and water everything. Because this is insane. And yes, it's hot in August, Mississippi, of course. Like, it was hot last summer. It's going to be hot next summer, too. The dryness, though. The lack of rain that we've gotten is 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 abnormal. You know, I've I've lived here nine years. This is the driest summer that I can remember since since I've lived here, which again is not very long. But my Bermuda's dying, and it'll come back. But like the toughest grass on earth is not making it. You had Cleveland and Philly last night in NFL preseason action. Two games tonight. Carolina is at New York. You can watch that one on NFL Network. Cincinnati at Atlanta. That's a local broadcast. Bunch of games tomorrow. The three that are on the NFL Network. Uh, Jacksonville at Detroit. Miami at Houston. And Chicago, Indianapolis. Oh, there are four. Dallas at Seattle tomorrow night as well. You have Sunday night football on NFL Network. New Orleans and Los Angeles from the West Coast. Playing that one in SoFi Stadium, so you get the Saints on Sunday night. And then on Monday night, Baltimore and Washington. That is all of the NFL stuff that you got coming up this weekend. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.